0: Hey, everyone. Alex here. So this conversation with Connie of East Fork is rich and vibrant and honest. And unfortunately, we were having some connectivity issues on our call. Nevertheless, it was too good to scratch and start over. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that when you're listening, you will hear some feedback and a little bit of glitchiness. I hope you can hear past it and that you still enjoy the story of how East Fork came to be. This is Connie of East Fork. Take care. Hi, I'm Alex L. And I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Connie. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I am very happy to have you on the show.
1: I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to an excuse to get to talk to you for so long, so here it is.
0: (laughs) Yes, here it is. The feeling is absolutely mutual. Before we dive into this conversation, though, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. My name is Connie Matisse. I am the... um CMO and co-founder at East Fork. We are a ceramics manufacturing company based in Nashville, North Carolina. And uh, the company's been up and running for about 10 years, but we've really started taking it off and making it a, a real viable business for ourselves and lots of other people just in the last couple of years. So that's, that's what I do, and I raise some
0: kids and try to stay above water. I think I've been an East Fork customer since you guys started a few years ago scaling up and I found you on social and I just literally fell in love. All of our dishes are East Fork. All of my coffee mugs are East Fork with the exception (laughs) of maybe two. So let's start with East Fork. How it was born, and um, just the different changes you guys have gone through
1: over the past ten years, yeah, sure. so um, when the company started, it was it could definitely not be called the company it was my husband at the time was my, my boyfriend he had um we met in the middle of nowhere, I was kind of passing through rural North Carolina, thinking I was going to be heading back to New York or l a or whatever, and ended up meeting this guy who had just bought some property out in Madison County, um, North Carolina, where he was building what he called the a pottery. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't realize the tradition of pottery making in North Carolina and in the Southeast U.S. in general. I knew that it was that pottery was like a thing that people did at you know in, in art or something but I had no idea that I didn't know what I was getting myself into. When he started building it it was like this 36 foot long six foot tall brick structure and it all started wow. making a little bit more sense but it, the first time I showed up to like a, a craft show he was like just to warn you, like, it gets crazy, people fight over pottery, and there's, like, a line around the block, and people line up for, like, camp out the night before to, like, get their prime spot to make sure they get their best pot, and I didn't believe it, and, and, then it was true there's this like pottery mania down here so it started off like that mm. with him being taking like a very traditional approach to um this very vernacular style of rural southeastern wood-fired pottery and we he did that for a while um we had a business partner join us and they they were we'd work together for a while i was really trying to do my own thing and then in about 2015 we started getting lonely and we wanted to we felt like kind of alienated from the rest of the world in a way and, and we were all people who had like a lot of feelings about the world and how we thought it should operate and just started wanting to bring more people into the into the fold yeah. so that we could be in, in more of a community on mm-hmm. an everyday basis and, and that's how it the shift started happening.
0: That's pretty amazing. I watched the video that you guys did that was on Vimeo. And just to see Alex explain his process and the roots of East Fork, it was really stunning and inspiring. And East Fork has grown. You guys have a cult following of customers who like (laughs) love East Fork I set my timers like there's very few I support small businesses a lot but there's very Mm -hmm. few that I like set my timer for because I know if I blink everything's gonna be gone
1: what it is about it that like that gets you I mean I remember when you saw your first order come through and I was like I recognize that name hey I follow her on Instagram like what is she doing buying her pottery it's so fun to see people who we admire from all over the place because at first it was like people we kind of were ten degrees of separation from most people who were buying our pottery and it was so exciting mm-hmm. when we first started seeing that reach really growing and I get why people like it, but I also like I love to hear about like what it is that draws people to it or to the company in general. But anyway, we were very excited when you placed your first order. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alex and I love coffee and mugs <laughs> and ceramics. And my husband's always like, You needed another mug, I'm like, don't worry about it. it. Is happening. But also I have <gasps> gifted East Fork to friends and family and I've given away a mug or two just because I want people to hold it in their hands. Like it's the sturdiest mug in the world and the toddler cup and the plates are durable. And I was really looking for a collection made by a small business to bring into our home that are heirloom pieces. And I'm, I'm pretty sentimental in that regard. Um, I, I know my mom still has plates from when I was a kid that her grandmother handed down. So yeah. it was kind of, it was that feeling for me. But also the mug just really got me. And I know the mug needs its own Instagram by now because (laughs) it it is it is truly a work of art it's simple but it's beautiful it's sturdy and it feels good in your hand and um I think what drew me to East Fork was the family aspect I love Mm -hmm. your authenticity on social I love that it's a husband and wife business I love that you Mm -hmm. share your kids and that you share you know lucky charms in the East Fork bowl and not (laughs) necessarily like only a kale salad you know what I mean like it's Mm -hmm. fun it's relatable Mm -hmm. it's it's a family business and it really gives me that feeling
1: of like community. The fact that like so many homeware brands really stick to this cookie cutter model of like how they present their wares, it's always like kind of vaguely healthy food with like shot overhead and I don't know we see a lot of kale I, I love kale salads but like we see so many kale salads on our field of feast every day I just like I just don't feel like <laughs> I need to be like putting out more kale salad content every day. there's a lot of kale salads in the
0: world like we need more shots of Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops you know here and there it, it, it won't it won't hurt yeah, yeah a bit <laughs> and the rosé coming out of you know the mug instead of coffee like I just I love <laughs> it all it's Fun, and it feels really lighthearted. And I want to switch gears a bit and talk about how Pottery and East Fork in particular, over the past two years, as the brand has grown and things have just kind of gone wild with the brand, how community has played such a big role in not only the growth of East Fork, but how you connect with the people who are buying
1: your pottery? Sure, yeah. So a lot of people have asked us why we are growing and a lot of people are pretty confused by it. We get a lot of questions like, doesn't Alex John miss making pots, having their hands in clay every day? Like, don't you miss it when it was just like a couple people? And sometimes we're like nostalgic for that time when it was really small. But the three of us unanimously agree that like we would never go back to what we were doing before. And the challenges that we face now with a growing Company are so much more dynamic. Um, they are so much more engaging. They put us, and, and most importantly, they put us in such raw connection with other humans in our Asheville community and other people who work here at, in Asheville. That is been incredibly challenging, but also incredibly meaningful for us. So we, yeah, we were a team of of two, and then four, and then ten, and and now we're 65 people. Probably will be around 80 by the end of next year. We had someone who'd been working here for a few days, who I I had no idea what their name was. That is a really wild thing. We remedied that quickly, but because we feel like this business can really be a transformational place for Western North Carolina, we're starting to see that we can have a a real economic and social impact on our little mountain city side being in community with the people who work here at East Fork. Asheville's wonderful. There's lots of reasons to come visit here. It's beautiful. There's great food, fun things to do, places to stay, all that stuff. Lots of good things to say about Asheville, but there's also like extreme economic disparity in Asheville, extreme segregation, redlining mm-hmm. from the 30s that still keeps communities apart. This was like the one tiny little way where we can try to do something different and try to remedy some of that and make some ripples around us. So, yeah, so we, we're doing this all, growing this business in service of. The community of people who work here at Eastmark um, and the communities that they touch.
0: Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For twelve ninety five per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting, hands-on learning for kiddos, three end up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. Seeing y'all do your community gatherings and eating together and cooking together really touches me for some reason. Like, Mm. I have this soft spot in my heart for gathering over food. And I actually wrote down in my journal the other day that a goal of mine as I get older and my circle, you know, of of community grows is to have gatherings where people bring a dish, people come cook and we sit down and we Mm -hmm. eat and our kids are at the table or running around and like we're just really in company with each other. When I first saw that, you sharing that on social media, I was like my heart fluttered. East Fork is so much more than a pottery company. It's really a family, and I can mm-hmm. tell that from the transparency on social media, from the care that goes into my packages, just from the customer service all around. Like, your team is yeah. just really kick-ass, and the yeah. customers, you know, we all communicate in the comments, and we are, you know, it's just great. I could rant yeah. all day.
1: We, we really drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> We've, like, gotten really lucky. <laughs> Obviously not, and I, I make sure that when people come on to Fork, I'm like, listen, you're going to meet a lot of people who would get East Park tattooed on their forehead once you walk into to work. Here at East Fork I just want to say like you want to just come here and have a job and make pots and go home that's fine but chances are you might start drinking the kool-aid after a few months. <laughs> we started off making lunches together way back when we were a very small team we always ate together and we kind of built that into our budget really early on just like 10 people and so we've been able to carry that out a little bit less to scale like now we on Tuesdays and Thursdays East Fork pays for groceries and we have a kitchen manager who's awesome and then but we also have folks who rotate in and anyone can volunteer to cook lunch with the crew, which it's really fun to see what people, we have such good cooks on our team. Like everybody makes very different food and nothing is, we have not had a bad meal yet since we've we've had folks cooking. We have to do a photo shoot this week for, um, we finally have enough weeknight serving bowls to actually market them. And so mm-hmm. I just sent a slack this morning asking if anyone wanted to like make some potluck dishes to bring in tomorrow to photograph. And we had eight volunteers immediately who was like, I'll make smoky mac and cheese and I'll make this. Everyone's going to go home tonight and like cook and bring food in to share tomorrow and it's just it has become so much a part of this, the culture here there's people bring baked goods in every day I'm like there's so much pecan pie out right now it's, it's amazing <laughs> like I love cooking for my for the people that I love it's, it's, such a, it's just such a clear expression of, of gratitude
0: yes I agree with that let's talk about raising kids and running a business and what that looks like for work life balance and work life harmony and just to throw another thing in there like working so closely with your spouse and mm-hmm. what that does for your connection as husband and wife but then also as individuals
1: there's nothing there's no one thing that you can say that about working with your spouse that's going to be applicable for everyone i think the same thing is true for working while you have children i was reading this great article about the work life balance and how it doesn't really have to do with what's going on in In your life, like either you're a person who tends to say yes to everything and like no matter what you sort of intentions you set for yourself like you're kind of for the rest of your life and there are people who have like much stronger boundaries and who saying no comes pretty easily or I've always been a person who tends to overextend themselves who says yes to everything and I I don't think that I want to fundamentally change that about myself but what that means for for my relationship with Alex I mean both of us are working all the time we bring home we don't have any ability to leave work at the door we've tried so many ways to do that and it just doesn't work for us it feels really Natural when we try. Knowing that about ourselves, knowing that like this, we just need to be fully in it in order to do it. Like I, I can't think about compartmentalizing myself into like work self and maternal self. Um, and the way that I reconcile that is including my kids as part of those work conversations and like, bringing them into, you know, they come into the office, they use the stuff at home every day, they know mm-hmm. people who work here, they play with play, they f- they feel part of this community and they feel very proud that they're part of this eSport community. When Alex drew up his parents really separated work and um, family and like they would go and do their work kind of in secret and private and then the kids were kind of shielded from that and a- Alex talks a lot about how that made his parents feel very distant from him growing up and hmm. I we kind of take the opposite extreme where knowing that our life is kind of chaos all the time with with running this business, I'm trying to like extend an invitation to like let my kids feel included in that instead of like, oh, mom is going to work. That's something that's like not related to me. And it's hard. My kids get really frustrated. just like four now, but she's like, extremely, uh, she's just too smart for her own good. And, and she'll just be like, mom, dad, you need to stop talking about work. I need your full attention on me. she'll just stay at point blank. And it's so nice to have her be able to, to call, like <laughs> kind of snap us out of it. It's hard. It never, it never stops. And it's like a can of worms that it's like, I'd really let myself get vulnerable and talk about how hard it is. <laughs> like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to stop. But
0: I like that you mentioned that it, it's tough it's not easy you know and and that you have to intertwine everything to kind of make it feel good and natural for for you mm-hmm. a lot of times as entrepreneurs folks on the outside looking in are like oh they have it all they did it they made it you know they're working for themselves full-time and yes all of that but yeah. also it's really hard and especially when you're a parent and trying to balance you know work and home or maybe you can't balance work at home and they all kind of intermix and like yeah. what that looks like and feels like on a day-to-day
1: basis and more people need to be talking about the challenges yeah. (laughs) running a business, people who have really beautiful um, craft practices who then want to monetize it and make it part of their yes. make it their business and I think yes. there's this myth that like everyone's work should be their passion and I just don't think that's mm. true I think that's really important to think really hard if the thing that you love doing for like the pure pursuit of loving doing it is something that you actually want to like throw into the capitalist rat race and like have to make your source of income because it does it changes it completely it works for us because our interest is more about growing a business rather than play. it's always going to be our medium it's always hotter it's always going to be the thing that we make but like currently yeah. we think of business as our craft so it's easier to step away from the, the hands-on parts of it but I don't think that's true for most people my days you know I, I wake up at 4 45 I get on my computer from 5 to 7 feed kids make sure everyone's dressed get everyone to school and daycare go to work for an eight-hour day feed kids bathe them get them in bed work for another two hours and then try to Alex and I try to stay pretty social work we don't really yeah our, our home life is just I don't know it's like a home is like a place we sleep right now and it's not how I want to live for forever but I'm trying to be okay with the fact that that's what life is right now and and not mm-hmm. force myself to, to fix it yeah yeah just mm-hmm. having more forgiveness and, and acceptance of it like if this business is something that we've chosen to do and I can't complain about all the things that are not the way that I want them to be that are in other parts of my life this is the, the bed I made so
0: hmm I think that's important too, um, especially as someone who makes things for a living. I, I hope that the people listening who are interested in turning their passion into their profession, that like you said, they know what they're getting into. Like it's it's really hard. With me, for example, I'm an author. I write books for a living and I worked really hard to get here, but <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to pick up a pen and paper. I guess my passion to write how it used to be before I had the book deals and before the quote-unquote success and before the financial stuff and all of that, it's like grinding, 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 passion, passion, passion. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, I think I just wrote a book. It's coming out in 2020, and I literally have nothing else to say right now. I'm giving myself (laughs) grace. (laughs) like giving myself grace to like not always have to perform and not always have to execute, especially because this work is different. It's a collection of essays. Right. So it's like, it's just big and heavy and Mm -hmm. with you guys and pottery. Yes passion and pottery and also like it's hard work and you see the beautiful yeah. pictures on Instagram and you see the community gatherings and you see the work that we're doing in the world but outside of all of that you know you're still a husband and wife team you're still you know parents you still have staff you still have people who work very closely with you in the business and it's just a lot it is a lot I, yeah. I understand what you mean totally let's talk about self-care for a second <laughs> and what that looks like <laughs> if it looks like anything And don't feel like you need to, like, have an answer because it could be self-care is literally going to the bathroom and saying, no, you can't come in to the kids. (laughs) Like, that's self-care, too.
1: I had a guest say that the other day. She was like, self-care is going to the bathroom and locking the door. I'm in a much better mental soul place right now than I was this time last year after I had my second baby. Motherhood is actually never like, I'm always curious to know what my life would feel like if I was like working a job that was had less pressure and, and could spend more time at home. Because I don't want to say that motherhood is easy. It's not. Like I mean, my, my four-year-old, my two-year-old drives me so bananas right now. Like they're really testing the limits of my patients, but it's a very different type of stress and anxiety for me than work. I I cope with motherhood stress very differently than I do with work stress. I internalize my motherhood stress much less than work stress. Like my kids can say mean things to me and I'm, I'm pretty good at deflecting it. But like when there's chaos and drama, and like kind of human stuff going on at work. I like it just digs like so deep into my, I don't know what it is. That said, there was a full year last year where I was having really insane insomnia. Like I was sleeping like two to three hours a night it was it was pretty awful and I couldn't no matter what I did it wasn't I tried all of like this turning my phone off when I got home from work and doing all of the essential oils and having a meditation practice I tried and nothing worked I just I was I had so much anxiety at night I started taking Ambien the Ambien stopped working after a point I was like a frail like a, just a ghost of myself just unable to give anything especially unable to give anything to myself I was so tired that I, I had no idea even how to begin to heal my my husband forced me to take a couple of days off work. He was like, "You just are not allowed to come into the office. I need you to, I need you to not come to work. I don't care what happens. You have to drop all your balls. Like you need to just like go outside." Um, and that was really hard, but I did it. I got on a on anti-anxiety medicine. I started like not working at night after the kids went to bed I would just like go to sleep with my kids I'd like put them to bed and just like sleep in the bed with them turn off the lights at 9 p.m and over the course of six months I started I got my sleep schedule back on and like sleep that was revolutionary so I would say like yeah my self-care is like starting to prioritize my sleep more when I'm tired at night I go to sleep which Mm -hmm, was not mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that before I would just like push through and work so yeah knowing when to close my computer feels like yeah prioritizing sleep for the first time in my life it felt like a really big change outside of that though there's I, I maybe get to a yoga class once every month and a half with my sister I try really hard to take some deep breaths when I'm in the bathroom <laughs> when that call that when I turn my call map on for Vita to play a sleep story and it says take a deep breath I like I'm like, wow, I haven't done that all day long. I'm Mm. going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, You know, also like being okay with only having a couple friends, that feels really revolutionary too. Like I've been saying no to, for the first time to like any incoming, sounds awful to say, but like I'm so cherishing the time I have with my kids and my husband and like maybe three or four close people that I know already really well. Making new friends has been hard lately and at first I was kind of mourning that, but right now I'm accepting that and it feels really good to just have like my my small intimate community who I can be myself with separate from kind of like the having to be like a public face of of this business
0: that is good and that's self-care yeah for sure so before we wrap up this call I want us to take a deep breath together and I want you to leave an I am affirmation for yourself in this episode. So when you go back and listen to it, maybe when it airs, or maybe we revisit it in a year, what you may need to hear. Okay, so let's take a deep breath Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. I am loving. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Connie, for your time today. I love this. I wish I could talk to you all day.
1: I know, we'll have to make another time to
0: do it. Well, I just, I, I know y'all are busy and I value your time, so thank you. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bartram and me, Alex L.